May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. This uh, liturgical year, I have been teaching, preaching through the Old Testament readings, and over the past few months, since we hit the Trinity Tide season, I have been going through the book of Genesis as I preached, and we've gone through Noah, and we've gone through, uh, through, Mo- through Abraham, and, and now we are at the story of Joseph. And I would like to amend something that I've said over the past few months. Because as we read these old stories, sometimes we feel that there might be a disconnect between them and us. And so what we've repeated, our sort of mantra or motto, has been that their story is our story. Their story is our story. In other words, the scriptures are a mirror for us. And so when we read the story about Abraham, we are reading something that happened in history. That's very important in the unfolding of salvation history. But we're also reading something about our own selves when we approach those texts. So I'm going to amend that statement in a second. It's not that I disagree with it. I don't disagree with it, but I want to add a wrinkle to it this morning. In St. Luke's gospel, Jesus is resurrected, and before revealing himself publicly to his disciples, he joins two of them on the road to Emmaus, and they don't know who he is, and they're sort of dejected because all their hopes have been seemingly dashed. And they're talking about the scriptures, and they're talking about the things of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus then begins to speak to them. And the text says that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All the scriptures. And of course, they didn't have the New Testament at the time, so he's talking about the Old Testament. Every page of the Old Testament is somehow about Jesus. It may be harder to see that sometimes, but that's what Christians believe, and that's what Jesus teaches the disciples. The scriptures point to him. So I would like to amend our saying, their story is our story, is still true, but we'll add a section to it, a plank to it. Their story is Christ's story, which is our story. Their story is Christ's story, which is our story. Now, chapter 15 of the first epistle to the Corinthians, which we read this morning, begins this kind of extended argument for the resurrection. It's like a 50-plus verse chapter, very lengthy, where St. Paul really goes to the mat for the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, we're the most cursed of men because we've totally thrown our lives away, is his argument. And the first sort of evidence that he offers to support the, the fact of the resurrection is that This is predictable. The resurrection was predictable according to the scriptures. Christ died according to the scriptures, and Christ rose again according to the scriptures. Language we borrow when we recite the Nicene Creed. So again, every scripture points us to the person of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to test this theory with the story of Joseph. Their story is Christ's story, which is our story. We all know the Joseph story pretty well. It's the story of one of scripture's most dysfunctional families. Jacob, the father, loves Joseph the most out of all his sons. This is the son of his old age. It's the son of his wife who he loves the most. And the rest of his brothers, of course, grow to resent this fact, especially when Jacob gives Joseph a Technicolor dream coat. Maybe you've seen the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And because Joseph has these dreams in which he sees the brothers bowing down to him, And so they begin to resent him. 
Perhaps unwittingly, they're out tending sheep, and Jacob sends Joseph to go check on them, make sure they're okay. He sends them to the land of Shechem. And they're not at that location. And so Joseph meets this strange, unnamed man who tells him the brothers have moved to Dothan. The, the unnamed man is an interesting character. Many have speculated he's the same person that, that Jacob wrestled with a few chapters earlier. Scriptures don't say for sure, but I kind of like to think that's true. So he sends them, him to Dothan, where the brothers have, have moved to. Dothan, of course, gives us a little bit of literary foreshadowing. It means the place of desertion, the place of desertion. So us, the readers, know what Joseph is going towards. Joseph seems very uh, kind of just fine to go along to get along. And, of course, to make matters worse, he's wearing this coat. Maybe he's socially unaware or just naive. And so he's approaching the brothers. They see him from a distance, and the brothers say, let's kill him. Unfortunately for Joseph, they, the brothers Reuben and Judah both seem to have other agendas. Reuben wants to spare Joseph. Judah wants to sell him into slavery, which is at least better than killing him. And so they decide to strip Joseph of his coat. They throw him into a pit, and eventually they sell him into slavery, the kind of brotherly love you could only expect today in a city like Philadelphia. <laughs> What's interesting about this story, though, is the way that the early Christians were drawn to it as a type or allegory for Christ. Joseph is viewed as Jesus. He's the beloved of his father who's sent to his brothers, just like Jesus the Word is sent by the Father to bring about our salvation. Joseph, of course, can't find his brothers at first. He goes from Shechem to Dothan, which is a picture of how Christ seeks after us. We could think of the parable of the good shepherd who leaves the, one sh- the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. The brothers, of course, reject Joseph, violently attacking him, just like Christ was rejected by those who he came to minister to. And, of course, finally, we might say that just as Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers to the Ishmaelites, Gentiles, non-Jews, so Jesus was received not by the Jews, but by the Gentiles. You can think about how the Apostle Paul, when he went to a new city, would go to the synagogue and preach there until they kicked him out. And then he'd go find the Gentiles who would believe. So it seems interesting, I mean, it seems obvious to us that the church has read this story to be a story about Jesus, but in what way is it our story? Because the point is for us to see ourselves in what's happening here. Many of us, when we self-narrate our lives, we're often not only the main character, but we're, we're the good guy in the story. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's an oversimplification in our own mind or self-justification. But it raises a question, if Joseph is the hero of the story, if he's Christ, then who are we? And I think that the answer for most of us, most of the time, is that we are the brothers. We're often the brothers in the story. God and Christ comes to each of us, and our inclination too often is fight or flight. When he comes to us, we try to run away. We try to compartmentalize our lives. Well, God, you can have my Sunday mornings, but not my week, work week or not my Friday nights. Or worse, when he comes to us, sometimes we lash out violently. We slap him, we spit on him, we want to kill him because he places demands on us. When we're stuck in that old way of being, a way that centers around our self-gratification, a way that centers around our pride, we lash out when we're called out. And just the presence of Jesus when we're in those moments, when we're in those states of mind, can be 
so antagonizing to us because it, it calls us to change. But here's the beautiful thing. You know, the, the rest of the story of Joseph is, is God rescuing Joseph. He takes him from the depths of prison and makes him the second in command of Egypt where he saves the people from a famine. His, his work is so important that even the brothers have to go to him to receive food. And there's this beautiful moment of reconciliation. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and they all have this, this wonderful coming together. And Joseph tells the brothers at that moment, and this is the theme not only of the Joseph story, but of the entire book of Genesis, and really in some ways the entire scriptures. Joseph tells the brothers, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. When God comes to us in Christ, nothing is wasted and it's never too late. Nothing is wasted and it's never too late. Even those times that we run away from God, even those times that we resist his grace by doing what we shouldn't do or not doing what we should do, of course it's not ideal, but they're not wasted. Those moments become teachable moments for us. Of course, St. Paul says in Romans 6, should we sin that grace may abound? Of course not. Do not go home and sin and say, Father West said it was okay. (laughs) Not what I'm trying to say. Sin is a dangerous teacher because we can get stuck in those patterns and there's no guarantee that we get pulled out. Further, sin, especially mortal sin, can cause this kind of painful, dull ache that's spiritually deadening and no one should want that. But, but when we do sin, when we do trip up, when we do get into those cycles where we don't feel like doing the things that we know we should or when we feel like doing those things we, we really know we shouldn't, We're always being chased by a hound of heaven who never gives up. He'll go all the way to Dothan for us, all the way to the place of desolation for us, to find us and to bring us back to him. And so recognizing that we're probably the murderous brothers in the story of Joseph helps us orient ourselves and our response to God. And this morning in the gospel reading, we get two very stark ways that we can respond to him in the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee doesn't see a problem with himself. Quite the opposite, in fact. He's quite taken with his own perceived righteousness. He checks off all the boxes. He does all the right actions. He tithes. He prays. He goes to the prayer services. But know what violence still lurks in his heart. God, I thank thee that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. His pride causes him to be blinded to his own flaws while being hypercritical of others. I'm so good, they're so irredeemable. This is the violence of the brothers against Joseph. It's in another form, but it's the same kind of violence. What we're called to, friends, is the response of the publican who won't even lift up his eyes to heaven and praise God be merciful unto me, a sinner. Their story is Christ's story, which is our story. And when we understand who we are in that story, when we understand what God has done for us, that can be the only response. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.